Welcome to the Fellowship Regional Church Podcast. And fame and top trends can be probably best described as that tightrope walk. There are innumerable amount of musicians, actors, businessmen, even preachers, who after gathering a massive group of people and achieving some sort of success, starring in some hit series or film, they cannot lose. They are just on top. They are the star of everything. Everything they say is golden. It is the perfect podcast. People quote them and they put it on Twitter. But then it happens. It happens. All of these people who surround these notable characters will at some point be disappointed with the misstep of this person. Like the tightrope walker. If you're watching and a guy is on a tightrope across Niagara Falls and you're just an observer, just a spectator, and he takes a misstep, there's disappointment, honestly, right? Oh, I was really hoping to see him make it. But then you go home. And unfortunately for him, it's a different story altogether. This is what happens. The people will turn So long as you step in the right places, people will stick with you. But Jesus is different. Jesus doesn't really drift towards, well, let's make the crowd happy. But Jesus doesn't drift to make the crowds happy. In fact, John chapter 2, verse 23 through 25 says this. Now, while Jesus was in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, many people saw signs that he was performing and they believed in his name. That's good. But Jesus would not entrust himself to them for he knew all people. He did not need any testimony about mankind for he knew what was in a man. The fickleness of the human heart is responsible for massive amounts of tragedy and pain and harm in this world. The fickleness, the distracted duplicity of the human heart is responsible for so much pain in the world. And you can be on top for a minute, but you need to be fully aware those same people that love you and hold you up, the second you make a misstep, it's over. Now, of course, I'm not speaking from experience. Speaking as an observer. Even inside my own microcosm, family, friends, people that I've known through my life, we've all felt that same betrayal. People who have backed you, and then you made a choice that seemed unorthodox or unpreachery or whatever. And they were like, oh, I don't know. I just don't know. And they withdraw. 
I'm with Jesus. Don't trust anyone. That's not what it said, knucklehead. It's not what it said. He said he did not entrust himself to them, those people. He did entrust himself to others, though, didn't he? There was 12 at one point, 72 later on. You even get 144 at one point. He entrusted himself to some, but not to all. See, it's such a dangerous thing because we kind of go to shoot to achieve success, to like get to that place. And then when it's kind of pulled out from underneath us, it's kind of shocking. This sermon is kind of strange because I need to touch on some verses, then I need to jump up to some previous verses, and then we can come on down through some of those. So just hang with me for just a minute. Our passage today is Luke chapter 11, starting in verse 14 through 16. Jesus was driving out a demon that was mute. When the demon left, the man who had been mute spoke, and the crowd was amazed. And the crowd was amazed. The word amazed is this word thaumazo, thaumazo. The word means this, to regard with amazement and with the suggestion of beginning to speculate on the matter. Have you ever seen a magician? And he does some cool trick, some illusionist. He does some cool trick. And he's, and he's got like a card or a coin or he's got a bottle or something. And he makes it pass through. Or he sticks something through a storefront window and it's on the other side. And you're like, for a second, split second, nanosecond, you're like this. That is awesome. But then there's a, a thought that follows it immediately. Immediately. Eh. It's a trick though. Like, he didn't really, really do it. This is a trick. And there's always the question, the one they won't answer, right? What is it? How'd you do that? How did you do that? It's always this thing. We absolutely refuse to just jump in. Nah, nah. I'm amazed. But I've got a hint suggesting that maybe I'm beginning to speculate on the matter. And Jesus heals takes time and care and love and compassion to step into this man's life and to heal him. He was mute to cast out the demon so that he could speak again. You know what I'm thinking if I'm Jesus? These people talk too much. Why would I let this one talk? You know? It's people, they're always, 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 right? And I'm going to unleash another one. That's exactly Right? I'm not one to criticize Jesus, but I'm just saying, I think I would have thought that through, you know? I don't have time for this. He's mute. I wish more of them were mute, you know? But he doesn't. He doesn't. He says, he heals the man, cast out the demon, and the man began to spoke, and the people were amazed. But there's always a hater in the group. Am I right? Always a hater. Doesn't matter who it is. It's your boss, it's your dad, it's your mom, it's your spouse, it's your kids, it's your dad, whatever. You don't know anything, you're dumb, whatever. It's always a hater in the group. And it's so amazing. The human heart has this amazing ability to go from all in to all out. To step up to it and be like, oh, I'm absolutely amazed. But now I'm speculating. And no more than Jesus finishes the miracle and the people are amazed. There is about a millimeter difference between the period 
at amazed in the, in the next verse. But, but, and the people were amazed. But, I'll be honest with you, I don't like that guy. I mean, I'm not saying I don't like him. I don't like him. I'm going to push him down on the playground like that. I just mean I don't like him. The guy that's just always on the, yeah, but the other shoe's going to drop. That guy. You know what I mean? I don't know. I think maybe God's not hearing me. I'm out. I don't like that. Yeah, but Jared, too much hope means that's a lot of drop off when you're disappointed when God doesn't show up. Well, I suppose so. I mean, I suppose. I suppose that could be true, but, but I don't like that. I don't like my own heart in that matter. How many times have you prayed something that is the most important thing you've ever prayed in your entire life? We need this now. Dear Lord, please give it to us. Please heal her. Please give the job. Please help us out. Please save our family. Please save my marriage. And then he does it. And instantly, you are thankful, you are grateful, but it only takes a second for that to move off the docket and the next urgent tragedy moves forward claiming the same thing the last one was. This is now the most important thing. If I'm God, I'm like, no. No, not hearing it. Because I can tell you this, there has been multiple prayers and lives changed for a moment in delivery rooms. I'm never going to do this again, right? This changed my life completely. I'll never be that person again. I don't want my kids to see me this way. And then it wears off and they get annoying and you go back to what you were doing, right? And then the next thing. Like how do I damn that part of my heart back so that it doesn't always just on a swivel, spinning like a carousel, looking for the next tragedy all the time. You see, it's the art of silence. It's the art of reflection. I was with a young man that I get to spend some time with on occasion. I swung by the house and I drug him out in my yard. And I said, uh, come out here, I want to show you something. I said, crawl in my hammock. Okay. I said, it's a great hammock. It's like a parachute. It's really, it's huge. Just crawl in it. But don't get in it like a normal hammock. Get in it crossways. Because it's so big, you can get in it crossways. Amazon for like $11 if you're interested. <laughs> he crawled in it. He laid back. And he said, ah, oh, I could do this all day. Then you should get up. You should get up. Another friend of mine, I told him, you should get in this hammock. I laid in it one day, all day long. I came home from church, I crawled in the hammock, and I didn't get out of it till this morning. No, that's not true. I, I, I stayed in it all afternoon. And he said, I could never do that. To which I said, you should probably get in the hammock. You see, there's this weird thing that happens. If you can do it all day, you probably should be very careful how often you do it. And if you can't do it at all, you should probably learn how to reflect and learn how to do it. Learn how to move yourself into that place to where you can say, okay, I need to reflect a little on what's going on in my life, who God is, where am I slacking off? 
What do I need to do to change? Am I honoring God with my life? Am I honoring my family? Am I happy with who I am? And we should contemplate these things if we don't. But see, here's part of the problem. There are so many small things that move into our life that are great blessings from God. Great blessings. Consider this. Number one, the people in your life that God has brought into your life, you can't remember how they got there. You don't remember what they did, where you met, where you first started spending your time, but you're connected. And it's not like it was a, hey, good to meet you. Do you want to be best friends like we used to do in second grade? It's different. It just kind of like blended and then we were just together. Have you stopped to thank God for those people in your life? Because they affect you. You just mesh and then who they are kind of blends into you and who you are kind of blends into them. And all of a sudden, you get to carry a little bit of joy that they have or you carry a little bit of weight that they have. They carry a little bit of joy that you have or a little bit of weight that you have. Have you stopped to thank God for those people? How did these people get in my life? Did I didn't invite them? I didn't put an ad in the paper. I didn't send them a friend request. I don't know how this happened. Have you stopped to thank God for that? What about your personality and your wiring? Have you stopped to thank God for that? You know, Scripture says that you are fearfully and wonderfully made, that He knitted you together, that He had dreams for you before you had consciousness. Yet a lot of us are very uncomfortable with reflection and the whole idea of contemplation. For what reason? Because I'm not real happy with the company that I am. See, some of you are there. I don't like me enough to sit in silence and contemplate me. No, I don't want to see the mirror. Because when I see the mirror, all I do is see the things that are wrong. When I stop and I reflect, all I feel are those things that I know I've done wrong or the unproductiveness of me setting and contemplating. I can't do it. I'm uncomfortable with my own company. Knowing that God created you for a reason and that he created you with a purpose, I thank you all owe him an apology for telling him that his refrigerator art sucks. You are his refrigerator art. And he hung you right on the refrigerator and he walks in and he looks at you and you walk into his kitchen and say, that sucks. Shame on you. Who are you to tell God he's not a good painter? That he's not a good inventor? That he's not a good sculptor? That he's not a good engineer? You owe him an apology. If you stop to thank him for how you're made, even if you don't fully understand why you are made the way you are made, some of you are grinning like, that's me, I don't know. I'm completely lost. I'm with you. But if you stop to thank him, you're doing something weird with me. I'm like nobody in my family. I don't know what's going on. But I appreciate it. What about nature? Coming into the driveway the other day, this weirdest thing with, with birds, with other animals. And me and my girls are coming in the driveway. And in the creek 
by my house, there's this little bridge. There's this little cloud of frenzied yellow butterflies, and they're just, they're just going crazy. Just absolutely crazy. And so I'm stopping, and I'm looking at these butterflies. I roll the windows down. I said, look at all these butterflies. They're just everywhere. And then instantly, they all stopped. They dropped to the ground out on the creek in a circle and sat motionless. And we just sat there in silence and watched them. Look, what are they talking about? What are they doing? Was there a bird overhead and they got scared? Is there some sort of element in the, in the mud that they wanted to get close to? Why in the circle? Why in community? Why right next to one another? Why are none of them moving? Do you know the difference between a bird's song and a bird's call? Can you tell what bird it is? Do you stop to listen to the wind? If you read through the book of Job, there is this interesting encounter to where Job is really angry about some circumstances and events that have unfolded in his life, and he begins to shout at heaven, why have you done this to me? Do you not care about me? Do you not care? I'm blameless. I'm blameless before you. What are you doing? Don't you care? God comes down in this, this storm of just craziness. This thundering voice pounds on the road, just silence. And Job is like changing his toga soon, you know? Like, and God says to him, suck yourself up like a man because now I've got a, I've got a few questions for you. What do you know about ostriches? Job says, uh, uh, you got me. God says, they're dumb. They're dumb. They're careless. They're absolutely ridiculous. They lay an egg in the sand. They're so lazy. They care so little about their, about their chicks. They lay them in the sand, hoping the warm sand will hatch the egg, and they run off, not even conscious of the idea that they could step on their own egg and, and, and end their species. Can, what do you know about ostriches? And then God steps in and he says, but they will make a fool of the horse and rider. That's how fast they are. They'll make a fool of the horse and rider. Did you know that? You learned a lot about ostriches here today, didn't you? God looks at Job and he says stuff to him like, oh, tell me about the foundations of the earth when I laid them. I mean, surely you know. You know so much, right? I don't know. There's a lot of dirt. Or I don't know. Not much. I don't know. Can you tell me about the clouds and why they're flat on the bottom sometimes? Because I'm the one that said how far they can go, and that's where they stopped. Okay. Okay. You got me. What do you know about the Leviathan? I don't think Job was probably like, I think it's pretty much a mystical, a myst uh, like a mythical creature. I don't really know that it's a real thing. God's like, silence, you know. Did you put a hook in its mouth? Can you drag it around? You make a house pet of it? I'm the one that made it. Gets to the end and Job's like, uh, sorry about that. Sorry about that. 
Surely I spoke out of turn. You know. You know all. You're faithful and you're good. I'm sorry. But see, our prayer life doesn't look like that, does it? Our prayer life doesn't look like that thing of we hold on to something and we put it before God and then we just wait patiently. We look more like Job. We look more like this, this whining, crying mess. Imagine it. It's like this. The claw machine. Have you ever seen an adult? At the, some of you are like, I am the adult at the claw machine <laughs> at Walmart. <laughs> Standing there. Takes his quarter from his pocket. Puts it in there. There's like teddy bears and little stuffed cheesy animals. And there's uh, an iPod and a remote control helicopter. And he puts the quarter into the machine and then he gets the great big claw, right? And he brings it over in a little miniature winch and he pulls it right over the top and he's dead on. You can tell, he's got it. He's looking at the side of the machine, the front of the machine, side of the machine. And you're thinking to yourself, you should get, you should find more hobbies, you know? <laughs> and he takes his quarter and he puts it in there and then he pushes that red button that will either be the answer or not the answer, right? It goes down, and then it, it goes like this. The claw, it, it matches perfectly. It's just like, ah, 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 and it's there. And then that little miniature winch starts to take off, and those little puny claws just quit on you. Don't they? Ah, ah, I can't hold on. I can't hold on. I can't hold on. And it goes all the way up. Ah, and it goes, game over and the guy jacks the machine and he's like what a sham <laughs> interesting isn't it he tried to get an iPod for a quarter and he's mad they sell him in Walmart why doesn't he just go get one I wanted one for a quarter and it's a sham that you didn't get it and I imagine myself standing before the Lord, treating him like the giant claw machine to where I throw up quarter prayers, 25 cent prayers, and I put them in the machine. Dear God, please, oh my gosh, please right now, if you don't, I'll probably die. Oh, this is going to be the worst day of my life. I need it so bad. And I throw my quarter in the machine and I try to direct God to tell him where to go. And I push the button and his little winch comes down. And it's like, oh, and he quits. And I'm like, God is such a sham. You were never there for me. But yet, your coin purse is full of quarters and you gave him one shot? That's the best you got? That's weak sauce. You wouldn't even empty your coin purse. I got this friend and he used to do this all the time. We couldn't go into Walmart without him coming through and losing about $7 in the giant claw machine. I sat there one day, and I didn't want to watch him, but I sat there because he rode with me, and I'm waiting on him, and he continued to put quarters into the deal over and over. And I don't know how much he got up to, something like $14 to get this stuffed animal that I'm pretty sure you could step inside the doors of Walmart and pick up for 99 cents. But he hauled it home and he handed it to my daughter. Here you go. He spent his everything. Well, that's, 
pretty good. Why would Luke put this part of the story right here? Why would he bring notice to this word, but? But, but what? Listen to it. But some of them said, you cast out demons by the spirit of Beelzebub, the prince of demons. He is driving out demons. Others tested him by saying, show us a sign. He just... He just cured a man, cast out a demon, exercised his authority over the spiritual world, and they said, not good enough. Step up your game. The art of reflection means this, that we learn how to appreciate the moments when God shows up in your life. See, there's two kinds of Christians in the world, and typically it should work this way. Younger Christians, they approach God with a telescopic understanding of him. They close one eye, they squint, and they try to look through this little bitty hole so that they can get an overall picture of what he's like from a distance. But as you mature in Christ, you should turn into a microscopic view of God to where you stick both eyes over the lenses and you hold your breath and you adjust them, and you take in even the smallest, the most minute elements of who God is. What are the wonderful things that he has done for you that you just breezed right by? See, some of you thought to yourself, I'm never going to make anything of my life. Yet you have. Some of you have experienced loss and hurt and pain on such a, a major level. You're, you've thought to yourself, I'll never get over this. Yet, here you are. Some of you experience things where this is the worst thing that has ever happened to me. And then, amazingly, you figured out a way to smile in the mornings again. See, he's there for you. He's there for you. He'll bring you through it. Is it going to be hard? I want it to be easy, Jared. Eh, you might want to pick a different religion. Jesus isn't really up for easy. I mean, when your mission statement is take up your cross and follow me, you kind of maybe want to pick a different team. If you're looking for something easy, he's like, this is going to be like a cross and nails and you've got to kind of die to yourself daily. Sounds easy. Doesn't sound easy. And he calls us. He invites us in so that we can get to know him. And see, the microscopic view of God means this. You examine all the elements of your life, even the tiny butterflies and those friends with the encouraging statements. Those little weird quirks in your personality that for whatever reason at least entertain you. And you stop and you thank God and you say, I don't know what you're up to, but if you're anything like this weird thing that's in me, I think we're going to get along all right. If your deal is nature, you kind of get along. If your deal is people, you're going to get along. If your deal is engineering and design and building, you're going to really like who God is. Because that's Him. So let's back up. Luke chapter 11. Starting in verse 5. And Jesus said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend. 
And he goes to him in the mid, at midnight and he says, friend of mine, lend me three loaves of bread because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have nothing to set before him. The one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked. My children are in bed with me. I can't get up and give you anything. Verse 8, I tell you though, he will not get up and give him the bread because he is a friend. Yet because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. You know what you can't ignore? You cannot ignore this. your friend may not come to the door because he's like oh I'm so happy to see you but I want you to stop knocking and Jesus says and that's your friend that's your friend he doesn't open the door because oh it's so good to see you at midnight I was only sleeping and I have to get up in a couple of hours come on in no 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 he will answer it because of your boldness. The word is chutzpah. Your chutzpah. Your, do we have the passage of scripture up there? Can you get me to that? Luke 11, maybe not. Get that one? Luke 11, uh, 8. Luke 11, 8. No? Well, maybe, maybe some other day we'll do it. Thank you for your help, though. Audacity is the word for your audacity. He doesn't answer because he's your friend. He answers it because of your audacity. He comes back. He tells him another story. He says, so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, the door will be opened. And then he ups the ante a little bit, and he says this, Fathers, daddies among us. You know what I love about this church is there's always dads standing around with babies on their, on their hips. Have you noticed this? I don't know if this happens everywhere, but it happens here. We got them back there now. They're in the foyer. They're always, they're always dads with some babies on their hips. And Jesus says, take fathers, for instance. If your child, your little toddler, your, your little guy comes up and says, hey, daddy, I'm, I'm hungry. Can I, have, can I have something to eat? He says, can I have some goldfish? Can I have some goldfish? How many of you would give him a snake instead? <laughs> None. What if he comes up and he says, hey, daddy, will you make eggs this morning? He says, how about scrambled scorpions? For real? Yeah, how about that? Of course not. Of course you wouldn't. You would give him what you ask for. And then listen to what Jesus says. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father 
give to you the Holy Spirit. You're so fearful to ask. Why? You're so fearful to just sit and contemplate all that God has done for you. You're so fearful to approach him in normal prayer instead of 25-cent prayers. But you know what? If you keep knocking, he'll answer the door. If you keep looking, don't quit. You'll find what you're looking for. They call him God, the hound of heaven. And you, my friend, are a raccoon. Boop! 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 Right? You are scampering for your life. And he is hot on your trail. He is the hound of heaven. And he's looking for you. You should turn around and you should take in as much of him as you possibly can. In as many ways as you possibly can. Here's why. Because he loves you. But he's scary. True. True. But I'll take you back. There was this moment where King David encounters God and he commits a sin. And God gives him an option and he says, you can have a couple of different things that are going to rain down on you. You want, you want a plague for three days? There's all these other things. You can have this, this, or this. What'll it be? What'll it be, David? And this is David's audacity was this. I would much rather be, I'd much rather be pinned against the wall by the hand of God than for anything else to happen to me. Because I know this about God. He will show mercy. He will show mercy. Luke ties all this together for us in this little bitty word, the word but. We have to banish that thing from our heart that moves us to the next thing so quickly. We have to be in the moment. We have to be in the element. We have to set and appreciate what God is doing around us and in us and for us and with us because that's the way he operates. Each one of you are important. Each one of you are designed with a purpose. He cares about you. And he waits. 